In therapy, radically genuine is reached when one is being truly authentic, communicating freely and openly as equals. The Radically Genuine podcast strives to do just that. We will question areas of mental health, culture, societal norms, and what is truly needed to improve the lives of others. Dr. Roger McFillin is a clinical psychologist and board certified in behavioral and cognitive psychology. He is the executive director of the Center for Integrated Behavioral Health in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Continuing our series of self-improvement episodes of the Radically Genuine podcast, episode 10 focused on improving your sleep. Today, we discuss practical strategies on how to manage anxiety and worry. Welcome to Radically Genuine. I'm Dr. Roger McFillin here with my co-host, Kelly. Hey, good morning. Those of you who just listened to our previous podcast... Know that Sean is not with us this morning, unfortunately, due to some uh, situations that might have arisen last night without his with his son not sleeping. Yeah, and uh, this is an early morning recording, and we're doing back to back podcasts, which sometimes has to happen. So we miss Sean today. Uh, this is actually a really important podcast for setting the stage. I think Cal for um, for some future podcast around stress, anxiety, and worry. Okay. Um, I think we're in a fairly unique time period here. Um, just to timestamp this, we're in the summer here, August 2021, uh, in a global pandemic. And the whole Delta variant scare oh, yeah. is out there. And you can see the, the collective anxiety about society has just increased. For the most part, it's about um, not as much the fear that COVID is going to do great harm, although there are people out there who have great worry about it. But there's certainly, you know, stress about the impact of these restrictions and so forth are going to have on their lives, right? And having to go through what we went through again last last year. And people are looking for practical strategies on how to deal with worry, anxiety, and stress. And when people are struggling, they tend to talk to their healthcare practitioners. And I have great concern about the steps that many people in society are taking in order to, um, quote-unquote, take care of your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the ideas about taking care of mental health are um, actually harmful in, in a lot of ways. And um, certainly there's going to be great industry um, and opportunity for people to develop mental health treatments that are lucrative. And one of those uh, mental health, quote unquote, treatments that are lucrative tend to be in terms of prescription drugs and substances, Right. Um, Medical marijuana is big right now, but, um, you know, anti-anxiety medications, SSRIs, and even benzodiazepines. So it's back to this idea, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling stressed. Here's our solution. Take this to lower your physiological arousal to that experience. Mm. And it's created these messages out there to view your internal experiences like anxiety or stress as if it's an illness, right? So if it's an illness, then it's disordered. There's something wrong with you. You We've touched on these topics throughout uh, 
our early recordings here. And that idea in itself is problematic because it alters the relationship that you have with your internal experience, right? So why do we feel anxious in the first place, right? Like why do we as human beings experience this hyper aroused state? Yeah, I hope you answered that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as a layperson here who's not in the field of clinical psychology, like how do you answer that? How do you think about that? A lot. I mean, I I've I've said this quite a few times this last year it was very challenging. I lost my father. I and um I don't agree with a lot of what's happening with um over control uh media, people only listening to one source. Um I, I'm not trying to be political, but I think that you have certain messages that were sent out that I think were, were inconsistent all across the board. So I think the fear and anxiety comes from people just not getting proper information and then interpreting the information completely differently. Okay. So I think you're answering the question, why are people more anxious now? But I want you to answer the, the, the original question I asked. Do you ever think about why we feel anxious? Like, why survival (laughs) (laughs) and so it it begs that question like can anxiety actually be an illness if the reason that we experience anxiety and stress in the first place is ultimately to benefit us right right and i think so this is an like an important distinction um because it's a it's been a shift in popular culture right if there is a an identified illness and we medicalize it well then you can create drugs for it okay so unless there's a a a medical illness you don't make drugs for um i don't know struggles in living right Mm -hmm. you make you make drugs for an illness so you have to begin to identify what you're experiencing internally as as an illness to be cured with medical interventions which are you know in today's day and age primarily pharmaceuticals now, we've talked about here about the poor evidence base for this and the safety concerns. That's not for today. But I want to talk about the cultural messages of viewing your internal experience as, as an illness. So if our anxiety and our stress is ultimately to serve us well, then we have to understand that when we feel anxious, there's a reason, right? Right. And unless we understand what that reason is, how do we even begin to take the steps to be able to solve it? Mm -hmm. So, for example, you were talking about the role of media and government provocation to create stress and anxiety, probably for a certain benefit, right? It could be to... They're going to call you conspiracist if you keep saying that. Well... I'll let them. (laughs) I think there's a lot of people out there who are going to understand exactly what we're talking about. I agree. Right? So the design, like if if threat is created, you're going to tune in more, right? Sure. Because we understand human nature, right? You want to be alert to the potential threat to protect yourself. Or in in, um, with government, obviously, this leads the opportunity for more power, control, and oversight into the population. Right? So the more fear that's created, then you might become more dependent upon government to be able to protect you from that threat. These are dangerous concepts in a free society, but they're one of the reasons we have to acknowledge that exist on why we're more stressed now. So 
to clarify would be if I'm fearful and anxious, I'm looking for a solution. Oftentimes I, I, I try to look for someone to give me and provide me a solution. Well, I think, I mean, it's a good question. That's not really where I'm going, right? Okay. Um, well, no, you're, ac- you're actually right, right? Like without understanding why you're feeling that way right. and the ability to observe it kind of from a distance in yeah. a curious way, you attach to it, the threat is real, you're, you're provoked and you're going to look for ways to try to become less anxious, Correct. which is to avoid the threat. Um, so step number one, if we're talking about foundations, if you don't realize why you're anxious, you're not going to be able to solve the problem. So the examples we just talked about, um, being able to turn off the news, right? Being able to get back into your life out of your head and not be caught on social media, Twitter, um, the nightly news, because you're getting attached to all those messages that are designed for fear provocation. Um, and it's the same thing with, with anything when it comes to stress and anxiety. Um, my pet peeve is when people come in to our center or want to talk to me personally about dealing with anxiety-related problems is when they say I'm anxious for no reason. What does that even mean? It means they just believe or they've been conditioned to believe that they have a chemical imbalance or they have an illness. Okay. Um, everybody, no matter what you feel, everything has a cause. Right. Right. We might not know the reason it could be psychological, you know, very much, you know, that point that you're activated and you're worried, but there could be other factors too. Um, you know, lifestyle factors we've talked about nutrition, maybe a virus. There's a number of reasons why people, um, could feel anxious that have nothing to do with psychological reasons. Um, medical tests are important, blood tests, thyroid, things like that. So, um, there's always a cause. There's always a reason why you're feeling anxious. You could be withdrawing from substances. My point being is that you have to understand that in order to solve the problem. So changing your relationship to your internal experience, like anxiety or stress, is to be able to no longer talk about it as a symptom of an illness, but something that is designed to help you. And you can only solve those problems when you develop a relationship of acceptance. What does acceptance mean? Um, First and foremost, I ask all my clients to change the way that they relate to what they're feeling. Have you ever heard this term being anxious about your own anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see this. It's like that struggle. You're suffering. You feel anxious and you're anxious that that you're anxious. Or you're frustrated that you're anxious. So think about what that does to the intensity of your experience. And I often talk to people in terms of like building a larger container and allowing that emotion to be there. And one of the analogies I use, you have a dog, right? We, we, we did have a dog. Passed away. And now the kids are begging for another one, yes. Are you going to get another one? Well, they're my kids and they're very persuasive. So I would imagine that eventually we will, even though we're putting our foot down, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be getting another one. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know you're a dog lover, yeah. so yeah. it's hard to not have a dog in your life. Yeah. But when you initially train a dog, like you have to train them to walk. And I know when I had my dog, my first dog, um, we struggled in that training process and it was a male dog. He loved to sniff and like mark jump, on Jump everything. up and down. <laughs> so like he was in front of us, right? and um choking himself choking himself exactly 
Yeah. And he's kind of running the show, right? And so, like, if you are um, overwhelmed or controlled by anxiety and stress, it's kind of similar. Like, your anxiety and your stress and your worry are running your, your life, right? Um, and then there's other people who have this, like, avoidant coping strategy of almost, like, denial and try not to think on anything. I think both are, are, are problematic. Like, if you're trying to, like, ignore that the dog is there behind you, mm. you know, ultimately, it's, you're going to get bit in the ass. And like, that, that's what happens with people with avoidant coping, with stress and anxiety. Like, they don't want to think about anything that, that provokes fear or worry in them. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, you're going to be hit with, like, a, a panic attack when you least expect right, it. Right. Or you become overwhelmed and you can't sleep. Or if it's con- constantly you're worrying and thinking about it all every single day, it's controlling you. So this idea of like training your anxiety to walk alongside you just like a dog would and have developing to be a partner in your life, something to serve you. So I have this belief that if you're allowed to be anxious, you can't panic. Okay. Like a panic attack is the fear of the fear, right? So if you're allowed to have the sensations, if you're allowed to be anxious, if you understand why it's there, then I don't think you can have an anxiety problem. And what are the consequences of this, right? What do we see? When you develop a relationship with your anxiety, that it's okay to be there and you're able to accept it, well, then it seems to quiet down. It's free to move, right? It's not like locked away in this like little jail, Mm-hmm. And it's fighting to get out and you're feeling it intensely physically in your body. If it's free to move, it's going to rise and it's going to fall. Usually appropriate to whatever the stressor may be, right? Something happens in your life. There's something you have to face. You're concerned about. The anxiety rises. You understand it. You face that. It falls back down. Learning to live with anxiety is an extremely important skill because if you let that fear kind of control you and you avoid those things that are creating those worry and anxiety, you're not going to solve the problem and you're not going to be able to learn how to regulate the emotions that are related to it. And that's what we need to be communicating and publicizing in the field of health, that we have all this great research around how to effectively manage stress and anxiety, and the messages are different. So what happens if you're turning to a substance to try to relieve that feeling, whether that substance is alcohol or weed or a benzodiazepine or an SSRI? That's the struggle, right? right? It's like you're turning on that struggle switch, Kelly, that that can't be there and I have to get rid of it. how much of this comes from, again, with parenting, being an older parent, you know, we'll sometimes show our anxiety with our own children in certain precarious situations. And this podcast has actually helped me um, cope with that. But at the same time, I think everything you said makes absolute sense, but that's some strong prefrontal cortex rationalization that a person has to go through in order to get to that point. What about children, Right. So how, how can we, because a lot of times anxiety will come from the parent's anxiety, if that makes any sense. So if I'm anxious, my child sees me anxious about a situation, they become anxious. It's almost like a domino effect. Yeah, yes? it's a learned response. And right? how old 
do, do kids have to be like, can, can, as a parent, can I train them to do exactly what you're saying? Will they understand what I mean by walking with anxiety and it's okay to have these feelings and emotions and yeah, this feels like our previous podcast on how to raise resilient kids, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's modeling resi- uh, anxious parents will have anxious kids. So hopefully this podcast will really target those out there who are struggling with their own anxiety. The relationship here and this purpose of this podcast is to give up the struggle. Mm-hmm. If you can give up the struggle and the fight that it should be any different, well, you're going to have a noticeable and measurable decrease in stress. Trust me on this. Now, like anything, Kelly, it's not easy. I'm not telling people that training this and, and this being part of your, your lifestyle is going to be easy. I understand the allure of the quick fix, the quick prescription, the alcohol, the drugs. It's an allure, right? But it's a red herring. You start following that, you're going to start creating a life of misery. We're seeing it too often. Don't fall in the trap that the way to cope with your anxiety and stress is to turn to prescription drugs. It is a huge pet peeve of mine that therapists are pushing them to go to psychiatry and their, and their medical professionals for these prescriptions because of lack of understanding of actually how we regulate fear as a human being. A lack of understanding about emotion regulation. That needs to be, in mental health, our areas of expertise. So how do you train it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it first starts with a conversation like this. This You said it was prefrontal cortex. There has to be learning about it first. Right. You have to be... You have to learn that anxiety isn't dangerous in itself. Although feeling anxious can be in response to a legitimate dangerous situation, understand that it is then designed for fight or flight to protect ourselves. Now, most of what we stress out about is not the imminent danger, but the fear of that. Mm-hmm. So our mind can create stories. And in those stories, they're worst case scenarios. They're really bad things. And then our body reacts to those stories and puts us in a state of hyperarousal or anxiety or stress. So they're exaggerated form, exaggerated thinking and stories. Like they go to extremes. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's worry, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously that can be provoked by images and social media and media. That's why, you know, we're in a, we're in a time right now where there is a lot of increased stress and anxiety. So in case, in, unless you're able to observe the inner content of your mind, you're going to be attached to those stories almost as if they're real. And I'm going to use the word observe because that's the stance we're trying to create. To become an observer versus a reactor. Reactor is that anxious state. It's the panic fear-driven. It's the hyper-arousal. Mm-hmm. You're attaching to those stories as if they're real. And we can only do that by training ourselves to be observers. And that's where mindfulness and meditation comes in. I like to talk about the stance of being curious 
curious about where the human mind goes. Remember, the human mind is going to travel to these places because that's what it's designed to do. And if we don't attach to it as if it's imminent or real, we're developing a new relationship with our internal experience. If we are overwhelmed by what we're feeling and we don't understand it is due to some of these attachments about where our mind can go, we are going to seek out substance to relieve the physiological aspect of it. But through meditation and mindfulness, we can lower our blood pressure, lower our hyperarousal, get more present focused, and ultimately get to a place of greater peace and calm for an extended period of time and then train your ability in the long run to control that attention. Now, a lot of people say it doesn't work. So a close family member of mine shared their, their, their anxiety and they've explained how almost painful it can be to go through panic and worry and that it really does, put it this way, it affects them so much that they get hives. Yeah. That's a stress response. Yeah. Um, stress reactions and chronic stress are really harmful to our health and your body's going to react in that way. But people often say, I've tried meditation. I've tried mindfulness. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, how long, you know, how long have you tried it? Right. Well, they say like, well, when I do it, I get more anxious. And I said, well, it's not initially designed to lower your anxiety. If, if you're doing it to try to feel more calm, well, there's the struggle again. Mm. So if you start to meditate and become mindful and you start to be anxious, it's likely that your mind is telling you things about it and you're starting to face the anxiety that exists in the first place that you're starting to avoid. So remember, goes back to make room for that. If you have a larger container for it, here's another metaphor, right? Kelly, if I give you a, a pot allows for one cup of water, okay? And I say, let's do an experiment. Here's one cup of water, pour it into the pot. Let's put the top on and let's put it on a, um, a stove that's on, on high. What's going to happen? One cup of water in a pot that only holds one cup with a oh, lid on it. Oh, it's going to overflow. Right. I'm sorry. Right? All right. It's early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need more monster. <laughs> it's going to boil over, right? And in this metaphor here the the heat is the stressor and that one pot is your container for that ability to to make room for that stress it's going to boil over you're going to feel overwhelmed right but let's say we change it you're allowed to have one gallon right put the gallon on put the one cup of water put the top on turn it on high what happens well everything stays in the pot and You know. And it eventually like evaporate, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's free and that's not going to boil over. So I tell my clients, if you're allowed to be anxious, which is allowing that space to be there, well, you're, you can't panic. You can't become overwhelmed because it's allowed to be there. That's the relationship to the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So we need, to, we need to change that relationship. And most importantly, we have to train it. And so if you're allowed to sit with what you're feeling, you're, this is a revolutionary concept in 2021. You're allowed to be stressed. You're allowed to sit with it. It'll rise. It'll fall on its own. Trust me. 
And so the steps that people are taking now, that quick fix, that escape, it's creating that struggle. It's creating that suffering, Kelly. And people are becoming more and more anxious. SSRIs for anxiety, quick benzo fix, alcohol, drugs. I'm not recommending it. The long-term outcomes are not good. And everything I know about emotion regulation and how to reduce fear, it's counter to it. So please, any of you therapists out there, please get your clients to train this. They can respond. It's highly effective. I see it every day. The research literature is clear. Let's start changing those messages. Taking care of your mental health and stress management technique does not mean escape, does not mean just try to lower the symptom. Let's start lifestyle, safe, evidence-based therapies. What's the takeaway from today, Kel? The, the takeaway from here is yeah. that anxiety and is you can, it's fine. Like it's not, it, it's not an actual, don't consider it like a, a problem. Right. Yeah. Allow it to be allow there. it to be there. Walk alongside sure. of it. Develop acceptance with it. Listening to a podcast may be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional. If you are in a crisis or you think you have an emergency, call your doctor or nine one one. If you are considering suicide. Call 1-800-273-TALK to speak with a skilled, trained counselor. If you found this podcast interesting, please share it with a friend, subscribe through your podcast app, and engage with us through our social channels. And if you are concerned about a friend or family member, reach out. The six magic words, I was just thinking about you, may make their day. Thank you for listening.